Gregor McGregor started out life as a relatively uh, well endowed in the financial. I can't do a. I can't do this off the cuff. I didn't do an intro. It's Gregor McGregor. Yep. That's the best intro. <laughs> Welcome to Cheeky Tales. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I forgot to do an intro. Uh, so, yeah, it's a guy called Gregor McGregor. He was a con man. He, he was Scottish. There you go. Con men aren't always... Total bastards. There you go. That's the intro. How are you, boy? <laughs> I'm really good, boy. How are you? Not so good after that, but uh, yeah, no, I'm good. No, I'm sorry. That is one of the greatest intros. we. So I reckon the greatest intro we've ever done yeah. was Pompeii. <laughs> that was a good intro. This is second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conor McGregor. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's, that's it. Yeah. I got nothing else. It's Greg and McGregor. <laughs> You'll know who he is soon. Anyway, oh, right. we, we might be wearing the same clothes, boy. You would know that if you're on YouTube. Oh, it's because we've just done our washing. Yeah, but um, you'll notice I have different headphones on, and that's because Sean is here. Hello. He showed up at the end of our last recording. That's Sean. And that one right there. Uh, yeah. This one. Yeah, so Sean is here for this one. Uh, so he gets to enjoy that fantastic <laughs> intro. And there's the proof that it wasn't us hitting bongs. It's just, <laughs> it's just beer. Just beer. Just Sean's awful way of drinking beer. <laughs> in the Bucks Cup, which I'm so glad gets prime real estate in the first episode that uh, that Sean's here. Um, yeah. So I told you that uh, yeah. we had done very similar episodes. Yep. Gregor McGregor is considered uh, one of the greatest con men of all time. Mm, is he better than Victor, though? This is, we, uh, we are doing competing episodes. This is amazing. It is competing episodes. Um, so Victor Lustig was a con man, Sean, just so you're caught up to speed. Yeah, I love con episode. men. I love con men. Yeah, John, um, con John started man. talking about it, and I went, oh, we're really close <laughs> on topics here. So uh, not intentional, but- um, I know how we can break it up. Foreboding. Medley of madness. Oh, no, I'll save it. <laughs> yeah, we've only got two weeks. You better get ready. Um, yeah. No, so I'm happy doing back-to-back cons. Yeah. We decided to call it Convember, but then I realized this one releases in early December. So <sighs> that's not, the con. Uh, the, con <laughs> the con is this is December 2nd. Um, well, I mean, it could be a perfect heist with a little help for some old friends. <laughs> Cue the montage. We don't have a montage of any of our friends, but no. uh, imagine they're there. Because we we're it. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> and we're done because that's it. We're, we're already the crew. <laughs> All right, let's get down to business. I'm the getaway driver. Um, yeah, well, I guess let's get stuck in. So. Uh, steal my interest, boy. <laughs> Con man. Um. Uh, there is a little bit more information than what I gave in the intro. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a short episode. Honey, you'll be home early. So, early life. Mm. Gregor. <laughs> it started the same as mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And then I said, let's look at his early life. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how similar these are. So. Sorry. I'm disappointed. Gregor Squared started out life on Christmas Eve, <laughs> 1786. Christmas, okay. Christmas Eve, 1786. So a bit earlier than Victor. Yeah, about 100 years earlier. Mm. 
in the town of Glengyle in Scotland. His father, Daniel McGregor, was a sea captain for the East India Company. We never get too far away from boats. Okay. Any relation to Conor McGregor? Probably. Cool. His father, along with his mother, Anne, would have two other children, both girls, and were all part of the Clan McGregor. Sorry, Clan Gregor, uh, which had been outlawed until just 12 years prior. The clan had been outlawed by King James VI following a bloody battle in 1604. And during the period, none of the clan were allowed to use the last name Gregor or McGregor. Gregor's great-great-uncle, Rob Roy, was a celebrated outlaw who had taken part in the Jacobite Risings of 1715 and 1745, uh, which were an attempt to restore the House of Stuart to the British throne. His grandfather, Gregor Drummond, uh, would serve with distinction in the British Army and would be credited with playing a role in the return of the clan through the repeal of the prescription in 1774. So it's not like this guy was born into a nobody family, that's all to say. His father would sadly die in 1794, leaving Gregor, his two sisters, and his mother to fend for themselves. Raised by his now widowed mother and other family, Gregor would later claim he studied at the University of Edinburgh, but as he didn't gain a degree, there's no proof. Gregor would later make many claims about his family, mainly that they were of high Scottish nobility and that his father was the head of the clan. He was known to be a bit of a fabricator, even before the rest of his shenanigans began. So did he claim his father was the Burgomaster? No, he didn't claim he was the Burgomaster. Um, Still great. I'm really (laughs) glad that came up. (laughs) So so similar. See our last episode, which is basically this one. (laughs) It really is so far. (laughs) As soon as it was possible to do so, Gregor would follow in his forefather's footsteps and join the army in April of 18, uh, 1803 at the age of 16. His family would purchase, uh, would purchase him the rank of ensign, a common practice at the time, and with the breakout of the uh, Napoleonic Wars, he would very quickly find himself posted to the island of Guernsey in the English Channel. Mm? Well, Napoleonic Wars, obviously... At the time of recording, uh, is it out yet or is it out very soon? The Napoleon, Napoleon movie. Uh, I want to say it's out, but I don't think it is. It looks pretty good. It looks really it good. It looks really good. And yeah. I was watching a, uh, there was no affiliation. I was watching a slow-mo guys video today. Mm. Um, they had found a Willie's Jeep that someone had put a bowling ball cannon on the back of it. And they were shooting um, ballistic gel dummies with like the fake skulls and stuff with this bowling ball. Oh. Yeah, they do some damage. Oh, and you, you can just imagine cannons back in like this time mm. just doing that to the actual people, just rough. Do you remember when the Mythbusters did that and they shot a cannon and it like the the ball made it over the embankment and like into an estate and like through somebody's house? Yes, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember them standing in the person's lounge room with like just <laughs> yeah. one hole on one side of the room and a hole on the other side yeah, of the just, room. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that was scary. Yeah, cannons cannons aren't for the faint of heart. Mm. They'll get you. No, free plug to Slummer Guys video. Go check it out. Free plug to cannons. And Mythbusters. And Mythbusters. For all you defunct show. For all you like retro television fanatics out there, which hurts to say. It didn't end that long ago. It was only like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, but Adam Savage is still making videos on YouTube. He is. Mm. Very eclectically. Yeah, he looks more and more like a mad person every time I see one. Last video I watched, he talked about bags for like 40 minutes. Yeah. My fault for watching it. 
But he, he can't stop, can you? I can't. He's he so was talking about this like satchel that he'd purchased that he was obsessed with. Then he went on and on and on about leather bags. Mm. And I was like. The last video I watched was um, they made like a scale model of the constellation from Starfield. It was pretty cool. Mm. Like their process of 3D printing all the things and yeah. Mm. Adam Savage is tested. That's the one. That's yeah, the show. that's the show. Yeah. Also on YouTube, don't go away from this video to go watch it. <laughs> Do it after. Cue it up. The stadium. <laughs> uh, back to Gregor. Uh, Gregor Squared. Yeah, Gregor Greg, Squared. Greg, so, so he's it's, been- it's Gregor McGregor. Gregor McGregor. Never trust a man with two first names. 1.1 names. Um, yeah, so he's been posted to the island of Guernsey in the uh, English Channel. Mm. He would be posted here as part of a fortification against a potential raid by the French that never came. He would spend his time training and meeting hot babes. He would find himself promoted to lieutenant, this time without the aid of a big fat check, which was quite impressive as it would normally take around three years to reach this mark. He's in the army as a lieutenant. Okay. Where's lieutenant? Navy. Air Force. Okay. Even though it's spelt lieutenant. That's correct. Come on, as if he didn't know that. This language sucks. In the babes department, he would meet his first wife, Maria Bowater, who for McGregor would look like quite the opportunity. This was because she was the daughter of a Royal Navy Admiral and was also related to two generals, a member of parliament, a notable botanist who doesn't really matter for this story. What? What? Aimler Burke Lambert. Yeah, doesn't matter to the story, but notable botanist, whatever. Um, <laughs> Bo Water's family was incredibly rich and mm. McGregor would do the damnedest or do his damnedest, darndest, whatever the word, you know, uh, would do his darndest to charm Maria into marriage. Despite successfully, hey, successfully, yep. because despite her family's protesting, the couple would wed in June of 1805, moving to London for their first home. Two months later, he would start spending his wife's money and bought himself the rank of captain. Skipping the, sorry, is it captain or is it Cathon or something? It's captain. Capitan. No, it's captain. Capitan. Capitan. No, it's captain. Capitan. It's captain, yes. So he skipped uh, the seven years of service it would normally take to get the rank. So he's gone basically 10 years of army progression mm-hmm. in about two years. He's just a real go-getter. Yeah. And has a lot of money behind him. Uh, he would then get himself uh, a transfer to Gibraltar which would turn out to be just as boring as Guernsey. Instead of fighting the French, he would find himself obsessing over the way his men dressed. It got so, ba- so bad that he banned his enlisted men from leaving his quarters without wearing the full dress uniform. Safe to say, he wasn't popular with those men. I imagine not. No. Can that you imagine if every time you left, left your yeah. house, you had to get into a full, full suit? Yeah, no, that yeah, sucks. Very annoying. Gregor eventually grew disinterested with what clothes his men were wearing and was starting to get sick of being in Gibraltar. Just as he was considering a return to Scotland, he found himself transferred to Portugal to fight Napoleon's forces for reals. It was July of 1809, but by September, he had gotten himself into an argument with a superior officer that was so bad he requested to be discharged, sold his rank as captain, and was seconded to the Portuguese army. Is it seconded or seconded? Seconded. 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 Said that he also served with the rank of major. Yeah. Uh, I think that was in the Portuguese army. By April of that year, he had resigned his rank again and returned to Scotland. A year later, his, bre- his regiment would earn themselves, so that's his British army regiment, mm-hmm. 
uh, would earn themselves a sick title for their actions in the Battle of Albura, the Diehards. Despite not being there for the battle, he would lean on his association with the 57th uh, Regiment uh, in future. In Scotland, he would give himself the title of Colonel, wearing a badge of Portuguese knightly order that he didn't own, and parading himself around town in a brightly coloured stagecoach. Shockingly, this wasn't enough to get him into the High Society of Edinburgh, so he would take his wife back to London, where this time he would call himself Sir Gregor McGregor Bart claiming not only that he had been knighted for his service with the 57th, but that he had become the chief of his clan. Equally shockingly, this worked, and he found himself uh, respected, not rejected, in the London High Society. So basically, he left Edinburgh, where everyone was like, get out of here, chief, goes to London. They're like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool, hey? Like, he's got that sick sick title. So, and was it Bart? Yeah. But it's the- it's the title of being a baron. Oh, right. So if you are a baron, your title is not baron, it's Bart. Mm. Because, of course, you need a second title to tell that you're a baron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of a much harder word to say is the holder of a baronetcy, which is just a, not a very easy word. I like, I like it, though. Baronetcy. Yeah. Baronetcy. Or sounds a baronetess. Like sounds like it'd roll well off the end of my name. I need like a meter by square, meter, a square by square meter plot. Somewhere so I can be That's a, to be a lord. I want to be a baronetcy. Well, you've got to be a baron then, not a lord. Whatever. It was this particular moment that would set the stage for the rest of Gregor's life. The red baronetcy. Yeah, it doesn't have the same fear. <laughs> uh, Gregor would realise just how easy it was to lie and how people wouldn't question something if there was enough meat behind it to make it plausible. Pretty soon, Gregor would be using that knowledge for a fair few shenanigans. So let's get into the beginnings of those shenanigans right now. So how how old is he at this point? In his- 23. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. And nobody likes you when you're 23. This uh, section is called Gregor Goes Caracas. Sadly, before we get to the shenanigans, we have to deal with the untimely death of Maria. Oh. She would die in 1811, leaving Gregor cut off from her family's money and the influence that they gave him. No children? No children. He was in Gibraltar worrying about uniforms the whole time. Yeah. Oh, right. And now that makes sense because he's obviously not getting any. No. Um, he was struck with a choice. Find a new heiress babe to marry, which would cause a real stir so close to Maria's death, or go home and farm. How distasteful. Neither option sounded good to Gregor, but there was something else that caught his eye. Venezuela was going through a revolt against their Spanish rulers and the Venezuelan revolutionary General Francisco de Miranda had been in town hanging out at the London high, uh, with the London High Society. Gregor saw the way he was treated with celebrity, and so decided he wanted a piece of the New World pie. He would sell his family's estate in Scotland and set sail for the Americas, landing in Venezuela in April 1812. What did you read that you laughed at? Nothing. Gregor just, was- just in general, just... Selling your, flam- your family's plot in, yeah. in Scotland at that time. It's like, cool. They're slowly taking all their land. F*** it. I'm just going to sell it. That means that everybody that lived on your land is a cotter. Like this is, this is, we're talking about in the transition from the traditional lordship system of land ownership in Scotland to the English system. That means that everybody that lived and worked on your land that was known as a cotter, basically, it's not a servant, but you are part of the family because it's like, no, oh, no, you're boned. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. See ya. Ta-ta. Have fun finding another job. Farewell. Yeah, like you get removed from the land. 
Yeah. This was during the Highland clearances where basically the English went through and said, mm hmm. Nah, you can go. Yeah. Bye. 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 Gregor would land just after a huge earthquake had destroyed much of the capital, Caracas. And that's why I said he's going Caracas. Caracas. The revolutionary government was fracturing and losing ground to the royalist armies. Gregor would immediately offer his services to General Miranda, who would give him control of a cavalry battalion as a colonel based solely on his... What? <laughs> For all you youngins out there, by the way, B.A. Baracus is actually the name of the character that Mr. T played in the A-Team. His name was Mr. T. His character's name was not Mr. T. It was B.A. Baracus. The more you know. Yeah. There you Do go. the bit. Do the more you know bit. Uh, you know, the, the little- yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Added it. Put it in there, future Sean and Aaron. I'm not going to be able to do that. Oh, God damn it. I barely know how to edit. <laughs> Microsoft, <laughs> do you know how long? Microsoft Paint. <laughs> yeah, but then I have to animate it. Yeah, it looked like Spoderman. Spoderman. Uh, so I'm going to try and piece together what I was trying to say in this, uh, this sentence here. Gregor would immediately offer his services to General Miranda, who would give him control of a cavalry battalion as a colonel based solely on his association with the Die Hards. The yeah. Die Hards. I messed up saying it. Yes, he did. So he's apart from his um, fixation on uniform, mm. he's not that bad of a military person. No, he didn't do anything. He didn't. He, oh, did, he, nothing. Did, he did nothing. Yeah, he got posted to two places right. that never saw combat. He's quite literally part of the issue that they always had with the military at the time. It was just he had rank purely because people, right. people, th- yeah, and people thought he was important. Yeah. So I can foresee him actually coming into a battle and just shitting the bed. To put it bluntly. When he enlisted, when he got enlisted, he had the rank of ensign. That's literally just the lowest ranking yeah, officer. It's private. Below private. No, no, an ensign just carries a flag. Yeah, right. You're an officer, but you are the most unimportant officer. All you have to do is carry the flag, the colors, or the ensign. That sounds great. Oh, it's not great. Everyone's trying to kill you. <laughs> True. True. I don't know war. <laughs> what is it good for? Oh, boo. It also never changes. Uh <laughs> Gregor Sorry, would children. have success in his very first, very first battle, oh. beating back the royalist forces with little loss. Oh, well, screw me then. I was wrong. Despite having mediocre success from there, the revolutionaries were happy with their new colonel. Gregor would also follow uh, his developing script of Fight Wars and Chase Tale, this time finding himself married to <clears throat> Josepha Antonia Andrea Aristegita. I Lovera in June of 1812, just two months after landing. That is the most Venezuelan name I've ever heard. Yeah. I think I actually even took some words out of it. Dona Josefa Antonio Andrea Aristegueta y Lovera. Yeah, there you go. I took one word out. Well, Do- Donna just means miss. Yeah. We yeah. Le- what episode did we learn that in? Uh, it was one of mine. Was it the episode mm. that you got the history of the Caesar salad wrong? No. I think that was me. <laughs> what was that one? That's why I'm here. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, Josepha was the cousin of another revolutionary, Simon Bolivar, and would find himself promoted to Brigadier General that same month. Despite all the promise of his early success and new connections, the revolutionary government collapsed in July, with Miranda captured and Gregor and his new babe fleeing Caracas to seek refuge. What? This is less than 10 years. Yeah, it's crazy how quick all this happens. And he went to Brigadier so General he, he, by talking shit. 
he fled the fracas in Krakus. He did. Oh, that was the good. The fracas in Krakow. That doesn't work. But yeah, good. You ruined it. I know. You know what? <laughs> Power of editing. <laughs> put, that the, it. put that in the edit. You ruined it. <laughs> Power of editing. I didn't do it. Despite all the promise. Uh, no, I said all that bit. <laughs> Tell us again. While in his new home, he would get bored again with the wait to prepare for another assault on Venezuela and offered his services to revolutionaries in New Granada, Venezuela's neighbour. While he was looking after his command of uh, 1,200 men, ironically still doing nothing, Bolivar would recapture Caracas in August of 1813, forming a second Republican government. Gregor had missed his chance, though the second government would fall soon after anyway. He would find himself in a siege of the city of Cartagena, where he was given command of a gunboat that was being used to break through the Spanish lines of the siege to escape. He was said to play an honourable part in it all, but still was missing the action he desired with Bolivar. Gregor would finally reconnect with his wife's cousin, Bolivar, in Haiti, where he was organising another uprising against the royalist forces in Venezuela. I, I, I just don't understand why he's concerning himself with so much like to make stuff him into other countries. Because he wants to be important. Yeah. Business. It's basically just He that. just wants to be important. So yeah. he's like getting harsh. Like that's what they do. Like but he's just, he's, so he's just technically mercenary himself. Out. No, worse. He's, he's hanging, he's a hanger on Yeah. He's just hanging around. But there's in, no official capacity with the. Exactly. British he's, or the Scottish army. Yeah. He's just, he's just hanging around in the least impactful role possible. So he can be taken along for the ride. You know, when you see like, it, it's, it's the extreme version of when you see council workers doing something and there's 15 of them standing around a small <laughs> pothole. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I've never driven past a council work site and seen more than 20% of them doing something. How many times have you seen one traffic control worker standing there? Maybe it's a pretty lady. Maybe it's a fat ugly dude. But there's 15 people sitting next to them as if it's also their job doing nothing. They're all just being part of it. So he's trying to associate himself with these people so that he gets the yeah, same I just, reputation. I just, I couldn't, have, I suppose it does happen to in today's day and age, but not so much in such a high level. Like you've got, you've had the people that went over to Ukraine to offer their services and stuff like that. But that's not, correct. They're not going over as generals. No. No. But also the, the level between entry level and high level isn't just money. Not anymore, no. Yeah. Back then it was like, oh, you're nobility, you're an officer. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now that that's not a thing. Yeah. If you try to pull that shit, someone goes smack it. It just seems weird. Yeah, because it is. He's just hopping. Yeah, it's weird. That and it, took, it would take so long to get home, mm. like on a boat. Yeah. Like he's, half, he's literally halfway around the world. Mm. Yeah. And you could just rock up somewhere and be like, I'm a general. And people be like, I guess he's telling I the truth. I guess he's telling the truth, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bolivar was organising another uprising against the royalist forces in Venezuela, and his plan was to land men at points along the coast with a coordinated uprising happening from there. Venezuela. Venezuela. So, they're going to drop people all along the coast, mm. and then all of them go in at once. That sounds like it got, that happened later in history as well. Mm. Yes. Good tactic. Gregor was given 600 troops to lead and dropped at Ocumere on the coast. The plan failed immediately, with Bolivar needing to retreat and the 600 men left stranded on the shore. They were trapped in enemy territory, 
300 miles from the nearest Republican stronghold in Barcelona. Barcelona. They had no boats, limited ammunition and provisions, and were severely outnumbered. This is still like musket and cannons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty and much. bayonets mm-hmm. and swords. Yeah. Not bow and arrows? No, they were bow and arrows. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gregor, though, would lead his men on a march through enemy territory, oh. leading them with incredible skill. What a hero. Yeah. He would lead his men through charges against enemy blockades, punching through, and would set many elaborate traps using the swampland. In one instance, he tricked the royalist forces into riding their horses into swampland and then deployed his archers to repel them while they were stuck in the marsh. Eventually, the men would charge on foot and rout the royalists, giving themselves the advantage they needed to make the march back to Barcelona. <laughs> this march would make Gregor a hero and his celebrity exploded throughout the continent of South America. Men wanted to serve under him and he had gained respect from Bolivar far beyond anything he had achieved so far. Gregor wanted more, though, and wasn't getting it from those who surrounded him now. He would find himself involved in a plot for a private invasion of Spanish Florida, and would recruit mercenaries from bars as far away as Pittsburgh, offering generous land titles in Florida to anyone who would join him. Land titles he currently has no right to, or potentially have no right to. We're getting to his first con. Yeah, right. Gregor the Lazy Leader. We got to, we got to my dude's cons much quicker. Yeah, because this guy had an air of legitimacy. Mm. He actually did something. Once. Did, did a few things. Yeah. Gregor would find himself with 200 mercenaries ready to fight and would raid Amelia Island off the coast of Florida. The Spanish garrison there would see the 200 Americans and assume it was the start of a full-blown invasion. They would surrender, giving Gregor a remarkable victory with which he could springboard his invasion of Florida if he just pushed his advantage and took some more forts. Instead, he would sun himself in the garden, (laughs) get drunk, and declare Amelia Island the Republic of East Florida. I thought he was going to say the Republic of Gregor. No. He would pay his men in the Republic of East Florida dollars and then one morning wake up, leave on a ship with all the money they had and leave his men to their fate. Oh, and he never owned the land that uh, he offered the titles on, but you worked that one out, boy. Yeah, he's just like, I'll give you heaps of land. I got the titles. He didn't have anything. So he just stayed on the island and then one morning just went, Peace out. I'm out. See ya. Yeah. And just left with everything and left yeah. his men there. And so they all would have looked around and been like, huh? Mr. McGregor, come back. Do you know what happened? To the Muffin Man? Uh, well, I don't know if they all got killed, but they obviously got beaten. So they probably surrendered and then, I don't know, got taken okay. hostage so you, or whatever. You don't know what happened to his men? Like, no, there wasn't any information that I could find on that. Oh, it's, it'd be... It'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Bolivar would hear about this and would obviously not be too fond of Gregor's actions. Gregor was now out of favour with Bolivar. Oh, no. And so decided that maybe the best thing he could do was exactly the same thing again. Gregor would go back to Britain and hire 500 men, this time trying to conquer Patama. Patama? Panama. He would land a force in Panama, take the city, and then again lay in the sun Getting drunk. Why? 
He did absolutely nothing to prepare the city for the inevitable counterattack. And so when the Spanish counterattack did come, Gregor would flee the city. Got on a boat and left. Leaving his hired guns to the Spanish's will. It was British hired guns. It sounded like Englishmen. Yeah, not Americans. Oh, what a doge. And you know what? Twice as good, but third time's the charm. Oh, no. So once again, he rounded up more men and organised a raid on a royalist holdout on the Venezuelan coastline. Okay, I was going to try and have a guess at what island he was hitting. He devoted most of his time on the particulars of the new chivalric order of his own design, the emblem of which would be a green cross, the same as the flag that he attempted to use in Florida. Yeah, he just it's literally the same playbook every time. How long is he staying? Not long. On the beach or whatever? I want to say probably a month or two. Oh, that's not too bad. I'm thinking like a a day or two. Like, it's it's not really- Well, you would think that now, but a counterattack would take ages back then. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they'd get into this Mm -hmm. uh, Venezuelan coastline city. Mm -hmm. Um, They'd win the battle. He would get drunk, lay in the sun, prepare no defense, and then get on a boat and sail away. Leaving his men behind. This time, though, the men he left behind were brutally executed by the Spanish royalists. After this particularly brutal exit, Bolivar would have had enough. Not only was his relationship with Gregor now in ruins, he would issue a decree that any Venezuelan could kill Gregor on sight. Gregor would leave South America in disgrace, but it wouldn't be the end of his dodgy, conny ways. No, he'd be back with a much bigger, much more cunning ploy. Yeah, so this relationship went south quickly after he started pulling yeah. these shenanigans. Bolivar was like, not only do I want you to leave, if you are here and someone sees you, they can kill you and that's great. Wow. Yeah. Just, okay. I just, I'm just trying to envision his motivation. I don't really get it. Like- I get, I get their motivation for taking the cities. Yeah. Whatever, but then just to- Literally piss it into the sand. Yeah, and like it, seemingly a decent enough leader. Like yeah, to win three. Yeah, to battles win the city each time and with a new group of men each yeah. time. Like and like his tactics in um, the swamp at, at Ocumare. Yeah, pretty decent. Like he beat back all the royalist forces of Spain. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know why he decided this was going to be his play. Um, Maybe it's just one of those guys that doesn't like a nice setup. Well, just I don't know. Does half a job and then yeah, doesn't then finish it. This section is called the birth of Poyaeus. During his journeys, Gregor would come across a place known as the Mosquito Shore, which runs along the eastern coast of modern-day Nicaragua. That sounds fun. Yeah, I can't imagine a place called Mosquito Shore being anything but awful. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty gross place, as the name suggests. It's tropical, so it's humid, hot, wet, full of disease and mosquitoes. Gregor was on the run from many different people after his actions in Venezuela, and he would spend his time hiding there. Gregor would meet a man who called himself King George Frederick Augustus. As a con man, he'd find lots of suckers there. Yeah. Good one. (laughs) So Gregor would meet a man who called himself King George Frederick Augustus and would spend a few days drinking and partying with him. Eventually, he would leave Augustus with a title to 8 million acres of tribal land. So he just goes on a bender with this guy for a few days, 
And then afterwards, this guy's just given him the title to 8 million acres of land. Wow. Mm. Nice. That's a good score. Yeah, not bad. And this seems to be legitimate. Like the king's just like, ah, whatever, take a here you go. Like, this one of your best friends, this guy. Oh, oh, this, guy, oh, this, guy. Oh, this guy. This guy. My brother. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> he's, oh. he's, he's, I've given him three quarters of the island. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> uh, with the so, title, hey. The mosquito people. The mosquito people. We're descendants of shipwrecked African slaves and indigenous people. They shared the historic British antipathy towards Spain and the British authorities in the region had crowned their most powerful chieftains as kings since the 17th century. The kings were little more than a name. They had no control over the country. They ostensibly led. Britain crowned and protected them simply so that they could declare the area to be under mosquito sovereignty and thereby obstruct Spanish claims. That's pretty funny, actually. This island belongs to the mosquitoes. They're not even an island. They're literally on a on the they're like on it's the mainland. This yeah. peninsula belongs to the mosquitoes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So with the title to the land he now owned, Gregor mm-hmm. would return to Britain in 1821, which was in the process of partying for the coronation of King George IV. With so many international dignitaries in town, Gregor was able to slip into the country <sighs> under an assumed title from a land that didn't exist. He would have been just. Chomping at the bit to oh, yeah. rub shoulders with all these. Rothing at the choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I own 8 million acres in. He would introduce. Land. <laughs> no, no, he didn't use that. Oh, okay. He would introduce himself as. <clears throat> the conqueror of. Oh, it's better than you can imagine. Okay. His Serene Highness Gregor McGregor I. <laughs> Sovereign <laughs> Prince of the State of Poyais and its dependencies and Kakik of the Poya Nation. Kakik. Kazik. Kazik. Uh, and he would find that nobody questioned his story. Do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Game of Thrones. Mother of dragons, Khaleesi, breaker of chains, or like, you know, like she has yeah, like- just all, keeps going. Yeah. I'd love to give myself a title like that one day that's like 13 or 14 words long. What? You used to introduce yourself as the underwater- Hydrolium. Underwater ceramics detailer. It's Apollo, his coffin. The underwater high um, ceramic, Thank underwater you. ceramics hygienist. Yeah, <laughs> it is actually him coughing too. Holy <laughs> shit! You're right. Buddy. Stay off the Apollo. Stay off the Winnie Blues, brother. <laughs> gotta switch. Right, gotta switch to them Opti Crush filters, brother. <laughs> Get on the menthol. He does that every so often. You just be sitting there and you just hear him like. <laughs> Bronchitis. <laughs> um, okay, what gives that title again? <clears throat> His Serene Highness Gregor McGregor I, Sovereign Prince of the State of Poyais and its dependencies, and Kazik of the Poya Nation. So he's princed himself. Yeah. What a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> For context, it wasn't that weird to hear of a new country you'd never heard of before at this time, as it was happening just about yearly in South America. Yeah, but this- this guy's Scottish. He's got a Scottish as name. I just imagine he's freckled, red hair, red beard, and just of the Kazik. And I, I assume yeah. when you hear that, you kind of have an idea of what area people are coming from. But mm-hmm. he's a Scottish dude. You're like, eh? Yeah, anyway. Gregor would use a pseudonym to publish a, fi- a fictitious book 
uh, guidebook to Poyais, which covered the government, geography, climate, and architecture of the country. <laughs> this country that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> he went really in depth. It painted a beautiful and alluring picture with fertile soil and rivers gleaming with gold, oh, something that people might want to get a piece of. What does this remind me of? I, I feel like this is a Simpsons episode where- It might be, yeah. Like Homer makes up a- There's like 800 episodes of The Simpsons. I'm sure it's been one of them. It even claimed there was no diseases in Poyais, which was quite the noteworthy piece of information for the South Americas. Gregor would start to sell the idea of Poyais to the Scottish communities of London with a focus on improving their own life, of course, but also giving Scotland its own chance to be an international player, uh, colonising the Americas. Gregor would sell a number of plots to those he spoke to, and many started buying up titles. By 1822, Poyais was selling like hotcakes, and the first boat full of Poyais-bound settlers was on its way. Gregor would use the interest created in the scheme to get a bank to underwrite Poyais bonds, getting £200,000. He would use the money to open consulates throughout London to further legitimise the con. By the end of the year, Poyais bonds had generated over £1 billion in today's money. Jeez. Yeah, it escalated so quickly. In early 1823, the second boatload left for Poyais, with now two boatloads of people ready for the biggest shock of their lives. When the first boat reached the Mosquito Coast in November of 1822, the settlers prepared for a Poyais boat to come out and guide them into the port. Obviously, nobody answered them, and so they assumed they had navigated to the wrong part of the country. They unloaded onto the coast and sent the captain to search the coastline for Poyais. Most of those who had set out were older folk looking for an easy retirement, and so surviving on a coastline with little resources wasn't a great option. In March of 1823, the second boat would arrive and join the first, and they still believed the navigation was wrong. The captain of the first boat returned and had obviously not found Poyais, but the settlers told him that he must have made another mistake. Of course Poyais existed, and sent him away again to search. Again, he didn't find it. While the captain was out searching again, a hurricane hit the coast and destroyed the second ship. Then came the wet season, raining endlessly on the poorly prepared settlers. And then came the mosquitoes. They sure did, and they spread diseases like yellow fever and malaria. In the country that has no diseases. That's correct. Mm. Causing them to start dying in huge numbers. Oh, jeez. It's estimated that two-thirds of the 200 settlers that reached the coast would die. Wow. Hmm. So you're talking like 160 people, mm. 150 odd. Yeah, crazy. It'd, be, it'd actually be like 125. You're right. I was trying to do quick math again. It didn't work. Yeah. Quick math, not your forte. No. Wouldn't it be like 130? Close. The 120 died. Because 66 by two. It doesn't matter. We're not doing math again. Eventually, a ship from British Honduras would pass by and alert the authorities. Aaron's going to introduce himself as Professor Aaron of Mathematics and... And genius percentage man. (laughs) The remaining settlers would be rescued and the rest of the year was spent evacuating everyone and stopping other ships from arriving in Poyais. How many people did they eat? They didn't eat any, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is strange. I guess because they were on an actual island, so they could hunt and, like, gather and stuff, but... Mm. And then two-thirds of them died, so. Five more ships were stopped, saving hundreds and hundreds of people from the same fate. Five more ships were going. Yeah, so seven total ships launched before word got back 
that this thing wasn't real. Gregor Gregor has been a very busy man. He has. It would take until October of 1823 for word word to reach London that the scheme was a lie. And by that time, Gregor McGregor had again taken the money and run. Off to Scotland? He would somehow continue the scheme for another 15 years. What? With the lie being so big that people couldn't believe that the settlers had really been duped and that Poyais didn't exist. While living in France, Gregor was even made uh, an advisor on Latin American affairs even though he was running the scheme in France. He wouldn't be caught or punished for the scheme, even when it was busted in 1825. He simply blamed his partners and again ran. He even managed to swindle another bank for £800,000, but this time nobody would invest. Not because of the Mosquito Shore disaster, not because they didn't believe in him, but because in general nobody wanted to invest in Southern America. Now as the bubble had burst and people had lost interest. Gregor would continue the scheme up and down Britain until his wife died in 1838, at which point he would give up the con and sail back to Caracas, which you might remember was the place that people had the right to kill him on sight. Mm -hmm. If you think that he's about to get his comeuppance, he's not. Because remarkably, Bolivar had died in 1830. Incredibly unpopular. Enough time had passed that nobody cared about Gregor and they allowed him to request an audience with the government, which happened to be another stroke of luck for him. The general in charge had been under Gregor's command when he was actually a good leader in the swampland of Occumare. Oh, right. So the one time he was- The one time he wasn't an absolute Mm -hmm. dick, this guy happened to be there. Mm -hmm. The general had never followed the events in Florida or Portobello, the other place- Or anywhere other than that one moment. Yeah. Nor had he heard of any of the stories of Poyais. So he would hug Gregor, give him a rank in the army, 25 years of back pay, and give him a generous pension. <laughs> Gregor would live in Caracas for a further seven years until his peaceful death on December 4th, 1845. 25 years of back pay? <laughs> he finishes his con, goes back to the place where he should be killed on site. They're like, ah, whatever, go talk to the government. And the government's like, oh, I remember you. You were that great leader. Have 25 years of back pay and a pension and you can live here forever. This is like Timothy Dexter all over again. Yeah. Mixed in with a bit of- He was buried with full military honours in the Caracas Cathedral with President Carlos Sublet. Is he- The president and military chiefs and a marching band were at his coffin. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? He's not only like one of the luckiest men to ever- Yeah. And that was the end- to the greatest conman, who had been responsible for the death of 500 people between all his deeds. Life can really be unfair. At least my conman didn't kill anyone that I'm not aware of. No. In, in part of today's Honduras that was supposedly supposed to be Poyais, Poye, it's still pretty much undeveloped. Yeah, because it's an absolute dive. It's nothing. Yeah, it's just a swamp. Yeah. Basically swamp. I just... I can't, the, the last bit threw me. Yeah. 25 years of back pay <laughs> and a pension. I He's know, just right? been an absolute dick yeah. to so many people. And he just gets away with it. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, that's Gregor McGregor. Oh, thanks for listening or watching. Uh, you can, if you are watching, you can find our uh, page on the socials. It'll be in the description. Facebook, please. Instagram, X. 
donate a substantial amount of money so we can build a set. I don't so, want to talk about how expensive uh, those wing. tripods are. Those particular ones? Yeah. I wouldn't know. I'm using an Anko one from Kmart. Those are also Anko ones from Kmart. They were $6. And that one? No idea. Brie bought it ages ago. It has a ring light feature. Yeah. But I don't need it. It will just make my head look more round. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with shiny, but round will do. Mm. Have a look on the socials because yep. we do post uh, Supple- some supplemental content. Yep. Just and if you, want a, if you want a map of Poyais, good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I that. tried to find- a map, and I got a I mean, dozen images, and they're the Mosquito all, Coast. They're all different. Can you can you find a map to Puyas? Nope, they're all different. Can like, you picture yourself looking at that map? <laughs> 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 I was say, is it like a map to El Dorado? Just now, I'm thinking about El Dorado by um, the Eagles. I'm thinking about that fantastic movie mm. on the road to El Dorado. That was a good movie. Mm. So, yeah, find us on the socials. Uh, Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for watching Mm -hmm. uh, to the four people. Please do watch if you're listening because it's going to be a lot more work to edit the video version and I want to make it worthwhile. Please. Maybe do some hot take short short bits. Short bits. Some shorties. Yes, cut some shorties out for- some shorties. YouTube shorts. Instagram Mm. reels. Apparently they have quite an impact if you're on TikToks. uh, YouTube. I don't know. Yeah, they throw them enough in my my feed. Give us some feedback on the uh, the camera angle. Ned's lad brokes if you're out there. No. First thing Sean said was, <laughs> I do not want a betting no sponsor. No gambling sponsors. You'll take what we can get. I know a guy. No, too, I will man. not. Okay. I want to say one thing very clearly. All right, then. Look me in the eyes. F*** betting companies. Oh, that's right. You've had a run in this week, haven't you? With the betting companies. Just in general. Yeah, it's- it is now so per- pervasive, Sean, that it's in the lobby of my building for work. I was standing there waiting for the elevator in the morning and here's a freaking betting ad. Hate betting ads. Hate betting companies. They're absolute scum. I will say I have been enjoying sports bets, the spirit of cricket ads. Yeah. That the, they've been doing. Great. The sports bet ads, very funny, right? With the grubs and all that, yeah. Yeah. But- I don't want to get into it because I'm, okay, I'm very sure. passionate about this topic. We're, we're going to wrap up. Yeah. We, so thanks for listening. Find us on those um, at Cheeky Tales Pod on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter slash X. Um, supplemental context going up. Videos going up. If you're watching this video, the uh, our episodes come out. If you're new, welcome. Uh, episodes come out every two weeks on the, the same off- night, uh, same week as your uh, recycling bin. Maybe, unless you're, if you're in even, Yeah, if you're in most parts of, most parts <laughs> of Brisbane where that, that's the case. On the off weeks that a new episode doesn't come out, Aaron- Green bin week. Aaron is uploading audio versions of the 63 episodes we've done previously. Um, just an audio file. If you've already listened to it, go check it. Go have a listen on YouTube to pump. Pump it up, those numbers. And enjoy the beautiful waveform that I put on there that definitely doesn't mess with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm. And in regards to camera angles, if you don't like seeing John's foot in Aaron's camera angle, hit us up on socials. It's been very distracting. <laughs> the first thing that Sean said when he sat down, because he can see my camera, is it's not a very uh, flattering camera <laughs> angle, Aaron. I went, oh, what, oh, oh, what? oh should I change it? What, oh. So, yeah, give us some feedback. I'm sure I'll just punch in a little bit on the on the edit. Mm, I can't do that. Because it's the angle. It's not like. It just, 
the frame. You can just enlarge anyway. it. Anyway. Anyway. Good night. Sort of Good ta-ta. night. We will see you in another fortnight. Good night, chiquitos, for another Conman episode. Convember. Three in a row. Ta-ta. Three? Oh, don't worry. <laughs> oh, God, I hope that's...